Uh, any breakfast people here this morning? Are you a breakfast person? I am, I am a breakfast person. How many think breakfast is something you have about 4 p.m. in the afternoon? Any, any of those kind of, yeah, I know there's a few of you. I, I'm, I'm kind of in the camp that, you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You know, it doesn't need to be fancy, but I want to eat something. I really want to eat something. So uh, breakfast at our house these days is usually oatmeal. Uh, anybody else do the oatmeal thing at breakfast? I mean, and we're not talking like, you know, the, the wallpaper paste kind of oatmeal. We're talking like steel cut oats and Aileen cuts up some fruit in it, uh, apples. And, and these days we're adding some dried mangoes and, uh, you know, it, it's really good. So she cooks that up and, and then I will take the oatmeal and I will add granola on top. And then uh, a number of years ago, I don't know why, but we, we got into using soy uh, soy milk. So, so I use soy milk on top. And so on Monday we went to the store and our usual brand of soy milk was not in stock. So we picked up a different brand. It was um, unsweetened certified organic soy milk. And kind of think of it, that really should have been our first clue. Uh, so Tuesday morning, Aileen makes this delicious hot oatmeal, and I'm looking forward to a yummy breakfast before I head off to work. So, you know, I put my granola on it, and uh, I go to the fridge, and I grab our new carton of unsweetened certified organic soy milk. I give it a good shake. I pop the top off of the carton, and, you know, you got to pull the thing out, and, and I pour it on my cereal, and when I pour it on my cereal, on my hot oatmeal, it didn't pour like our regular brand of soy milk. It was thick. It kind of had the viscosity of, of like heavy-duty motor oil. Um, and I looked at that and I thought, you know, this is, this is unusual. Uh, so I gave the carton a bit of a sniff and um, it smelled a little unusual. But I mean, this is soy milk and I'm not really sure what soy milk is supposed to smell like, I mean, specifically unsweetened certified organics. I mean, what does that smell like, right? So I gave it a bit of a taste then, and um, some just didn't taste right. So I called for backup. I said, Aileen, can, can you come and try this? And, and she looked at it, and she smelled it, and she tasted it, and she made a face, and she said, there is something definitely wrong with this soy milk. Now, we had checked the best before date. In the, I, mean, the, I mean, my wife is almost obsessive compulsive about that. You checked the best before date on everything, and the best before date was good, but somehow what was on the inside of the carton didn't line up with what everything said and looked like on the outside of the carton. The carton looked good. The best before date was good, but the contents were off way off, and my lovely hot bowl of oatmeal ended up in the compost bin, <laughs> and suddenly I was not so hungry anymore, actually. <laughs> um, have you ever had that experience where what's on the inside doesn't line up with what's looking good on the outside? And I'm not talking about organic soy milk. I'm talking about people. Uh, we call what's on the inside of a person their character. And sometimes what's on the inside is not what you would expect. 
We're in a series right now that we've called Accidentally, uh, Sometimes on Purpose. And, and we've been talking about some things in our lives that just kind of sneak up on us. They happen unintentionally or accidentally. And so we've talked about cynicism and uh, burnout. Last week, Pastor Chantel did a great job talking about uh, disconnection that we sometimes feel from people. But another thing that happens in our lives that I want to talk about this morning that sneaks up on us is compromise. Nobody sets out to compromise. Nobody intends to compromise their values or their ethics or their faith. But it happens. And it just seems to happen oftentimes very unintentionally, very unexpectedly, very accidentally. And then we have a moment like I did with my unsweetened organic soy milk. We realize something is off. Something doesn't look right, something doesn't smell right, and something does not taste right. We realize that who we are, who we've become, is not who we think we are. It's not who we want to be. Now, this is always easier to see in others, isn't it? I mean, we can spot the phony. We can, we can, we can spot the, well, another word would be hypocrite, perhaps. And in fact, probably most of us know people who've sold out uh, who they say they are, maybe even who they think they are, doesn't line up with how they actually act or, or how they live. And, and we can see it, you know, even if they can't. But it's easy to point fingers at other people. But what we need to understand is that that is a tension that we all wrestle with. At some point, almost every one of us will feel the tension between who we are and who we want to be. Between what we do and what we know we should do. I mean, we, you know, we make a promise to our kids and we didn't keep it. Uh, we weren't exactly honest with that client or maybe with our boss. You said something behind the back of your friend that you would never say to her face. You know, you said you'd pay off that credit card invoice every month, but uh, now it's gotten away on you and you're kind of hiding it from your spouse. <laughs> uh, you know, you said you wouldn't watch that explicit series on Netflix or whatever it is. And, but, you know, the plot line is really interesting. And you've worked hard and, you know, you deserve a break. In fact, here's what compromise looks like. Compromise is when there's a growing gap between who you are in public and who you are in private. You know, those who are closest to you see a side of you that other people can't see. I mean, you may live all day in your pajamas when you're at home, but when you go to work, when you go to the mall, when you go to church, please get dressed, right? I mean, at least you, you, you should. I, if you want to take a jammy day at home, that is great. Be my guest. But when there's a huge difference and a huge gap in the language that you use or the way you relate to others 
or the image you project or the spirituality you portray when you're at home versus when you're at work or at school or at church, that should be a warning flag. There's a growing gap. Another one is uh, you're hiding things. You're hiding things. I follow one of Aileen's cousins on Instagram. Uh, She's irreverent, frequently inappropriate, but uh, she can be hilarious. So uh, so some of the the posts, uh, several decisions I make on a daily basis hinge upon the question, illegal or just frowned upon? It's like, yeah, that's, that's Janice, but, but here's the one that, that, that cracked me up. So relieved. That annoying knocking was coming from the trunk and not the motor. You see, one of the warning flags of compromise is that you're hiding things. And hopefully it's not bodies in your trunk. But, uh, you know, you're hiding these. Maybe you're, you're browsing history or that text stream or that credit card statement. Uh, somebody said that character is measured by what you would do if you knew that nobody would ever find out. And sometimes, you know, we do stuff and then we work like crazy to cover our tracks and, and we're hiding things from people at work or we're hiding people from, uh, things from our family or, or our spouse and friends. That's a warning flag of compromise. Another one is, is that you don't follow through on what you've said. Uh, you, you know, you've made a commitment, but yet you let yourself off the hook. And, uh, and you know, we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge other people by their actions, and, and it's not really fair, but you know, we, we have good intentions. Another one is you justify bad actions and decisions. Well, you know, everybody's doing it. You know, after, after the day I've had, after the week I've had, you know, I deserve this, or you know, it's really not important, it doesn't matter, no one will know. But it's actually the half-truths and the rationalizations and the excuses we make that become the subtle compromises that create a gap between who we are and who we think we are or who we want to be. And it's not necessarily that you're a terrible person. You're just not the best version of you. It's, it's not that you've sold your soul to the devil, but maybe you've taken a short-term lease. And somehow a little compromise here and a little compromise there slowly becomes the new normal for your life. And maybe it hasn't cost you your job or your marriage. Maybe it hasn't cost you the relationship you have with your kids or, or your best friend. Or maybe it has. Kerry Newhoff said this, lack of character kills careers, shatters family, ruins friendships, and destroys influence. And even if you never get fired or divorced over the compromises you make, your lack of character will limit the intimacy, joy, and depth you experience with God and with people. You see, compromise is as insignificant as it often seems at the time 
can have huge consequences. Here's what I want us to catch this morning. The reality is, is that compromise is in all of us. The potential is there. And ordinary life has a unique way of bringing it out of us. You know, this uh, unsweetened organic soy milk I was telling you about, Aileen phoned the, the 1-800 number on the, on the carton to, uh, you know, let the company know our, our experience. Uh, she discovered that if you do that, you always get coupons. You know, you know just, just, you know, if something, if the product's not what you expect or up to what you think it should be, you know, phone them and tell them about them and, and they'll send you free stuff. It, it's great. But anyway, the, the, the company rep said that at some point, probably the product got too warm. You know, it's supposed to be refrigerated, but somewhere it got exposed to the real world and it went bad. And, and friends, given the right conditions, anything will go bad. Compromise is in all of us and, and, and life has a way of bringing it out of us. In fact, I think we can all relate to what the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the church at Rome. And in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about how the real world has a way of messing with our lives and messing with our intentions and our desires. And, and I know theologians debate about whether Paul's describing believers or, or non-believers in this passage, but the reality is I think all of us have felt this tension and we can't read this passage without thinking about our own struggle with sin or, or compromise. Check out verse 15. Paul says, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Verse 19, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. You ever felt that way? Hey, it's okay to feel that way because the apostle Paul did. <laughs> I felt that way because we live in the real world with real challenges and, and we've got an enemy that knows how to push our buttons. And we've got this thing inside of us that pulls against our best intentions. And Paul goes on in verse 21, he says, I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. And it's not that I don't love God's law. I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Basically, what Paul's saying is that, you know what? Compromise is in all of us, and an ordinary life has a unique way of bringing it out. He kind of sums it up in verse 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. I'm miserable. This is just making me miserable. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death and compromise? You know, I, I, um, I love how honest the scriptures are. So realistic. So candid about 
the experience that I often find myself in. You see, following Jesus is not about faking it. It's not about pretending to be something you're not. It's not about saying, hey, you know, I'm good. I'm good. Well, desperately trying to cover your tracks and hide your failures and your sin. In fact, we can actually be honest about our struggles and our challenges and the discouragement that we often face when we look at our lives and the shortcomings and the failures and the compromise that we sometimes and sometimes often see. But friends, it's even better than that because not only can we be honest about where we're at, but we can actually be hopeful because chapter seven of Romans doesn't end with verse 24. It ends with verse 25 where Paul says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's an answer to this. And as much as we wrestle with compromise and shortcomings and as much as we may not be the person we want to be or should be or need to be, failure doesn't have to be the end of the story. There is hope. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. What Jesus has done for us, his living presence in us, can actually overcome and defeat the power of compromise in our lives. We don't have to live in shame. We don't have to live in devastation of compromise. We can actually be the person that we want to be, that God wants us to be. So let's talk about choosing an uncompromising life. Where does it start? Well, (laughs) It starts with receiving forgiveness. It starts with receiving forgiveness from Jesus. So Paul's been talking about the struggle he's had with, with compromise, you know, not being the person he wants to be. And he ends with the good news that the answer is in Jesus. I mean, that, what a Sunday school answer, right? I mean, every question in Sunday school, the answer to Jesus, right? Thanks, Paul. Really helpful. So how is the answer in Jesus? Well, you got to keep reading. You you go into Romans chapter 8. And again, the chapter divisions, that's that's somebody put that in back about five, six hundred years ago. So this isn't part of the original, right? So so you can just keep reading there with no problem because Paul just keeps writing. And he says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And Paul says, you know what? There is... An answer in Jesus, because in Jesus, first of all, there's no condemnation for those who belong to him. Paul reminds us that there is forgiveness in Jesus. When we put our trust and our faith in Jesus, he forgives us our sin. And he keeps forgiving our sins. Because I don't know about you, but I keep on sinning. Just ask my wife. In our communion service a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Dallas took us to a great verse in, in, in 1 John. It says, you know, if we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves, not living in the truth. But it goes on. It says, if we confess our sin to him, he's faithful to what? 
to forgive. So basically, you know, I was thinking about this. When it comes to dealing with the sin in our life, basically we've all got three choices. The first choice is, you know, we can deny that it's even sin. In fact, we could, we could flaunt our sin. We, we can excuse our sin. We can ignore our sin. We can basically say, hey, you know, I'm going to live however I want. I don't care. And that's a choice that some people make. Another option for dealing with sin is that we can cover it up. We can try and hide it. And sadly, this is where many followers of Jesus live. We know that we're trapped in compromise and we are covering our tracks like crazy, hoping that nobody finds out, hoping that our spouse doesn't find out or that our kids don't find out or our boss doesn't find out or our pastor doesn't find out because that would be embarrassing. And then we just keep trying harder and we become that miserable person that Paul was talking about in Romans 7. But there's another option. And I, I think it's the best option. It's, it's, it's about taking responsibility for your actions and confessing it. Getting honest about it. And John, the disciple that was so close to Jesus, said if we confess our sins, he knew Jesus' heart. He said, if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unwickedness. And friends, confession needs to be part of our lives every day. We, we need to confess what's going on in our lives to God and we need to confess what's going on in our lives to others. Sometimes that takes the form of an apology. I'm sorry. But it's certainly making sure that we're not just covering our tracks. And friends, if you want to live an uncompromising life, this is where it started. It starts with, with taking responsibility and, and confessing what's going on in your life. And in that, receiving the forgiveness and the cleansing from Jesus. And friends, the good news is that there's no condemnation. If you belong to Jesus, there's, there's forgiveness that's there for you. So we can choose an uncompromising life. And it starts with, with taking that responsibility and coming clean and, and receiving the forgiveness that, that Jesus wants to give us. But the second thing that we need to do is we need to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to embrace the power of the, of the Holy Spirit. And you need to, uh, you know, I was wrestling, how, do, how, do I, how can I preach this this morning? So, you know, you just don't go, oh, this is, yeah, okay, you're, you're getting real spiritual, pastor, you know, and we kind of, you know, you know, you need to catch this because we need, this is counterintuitive. So just maybe nudge your neighbor and just say, hey, this may not be what you think it is, okay? So, um, you see, when it comes to making changes in our lives, the intuitive path is to try harder, right? I'm going to try harder. Have you done that? You realize something going on in your life, so I'm going to fix this, I'm going to try harder. Well, how's that working for you? That's why most of us bomb at New Year's resolutions. 
Um, anybody making New Year's resolutions this year? 2020, I mean, come on. We're about six weeks into the new year. I noticed nobody put up their hands. Because we're about six weeks in. You know, how's it going? How, how, how are those resolutions going? And unfortunately, probably most of us are back in Romans chapter seven, not doing what we want to do and doing what we don't want to do. And we're miserable, right? <laughs> But here's what it means to follow Jesus. It's not about trying harder. And I say, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. What, what, what do you mean by that? It's not about trying harder. And I, I know that, 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 that sounds super religious and, and you know, very spiritual and a little mysterious and, and, and esoteric and all that. But... Friends, we, we got to get this. We got to understand what, what, what Paul's talking about here because look what he says in verse two. He says, because you belong to him, you know, he's talking about, first of all, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And, and so, friends, when we come to Jesus, there's a miracle that supernaturally happens in our life. And it's not just that Jesus forgives us of our sins, but we actually receive the Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit is a life-giving spirit. And now because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, there is a supernatural life-giving power at work in our lives, changing us from the inside out. And if you really want to beat compromise in your life, you need to understand, and I need to understand, that it's not just about trying harder to be a good person. I mean, even if you're one of those self-disciplined kind of people who actually keep your New Year's resolutions. By the way, if you're that person, we hate you. <laughs> just saying. But choosing an uncompromising life isn't about trying harder. It's about embracing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I love what, what, what Paul goes on to say in the next few verses and, and the, the message version puts it just so fresh. He says the, 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 the law, he says, you know, keeping the rules, trying harder, always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, instead of trying harder, it's when we simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. You see, here's why so many of us continue to wrestle with compromise in our lives and never get on top of those habits or those behaviors or those issues that, you know, at best make us feel guilty and miserable and at worst shipwreck our lives and our marriages and our families and our careers. It's because we focus on the wrong things. We focus on the issue instead of embracing the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in us. You know, we, we focus on the issue and, and basically life becomes this, you know, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, oh, I did it. 
Oh, I got to try harder. Don't do it. Don't, don't, don't do it. You know, whatever it is, don't do it. And then something happens and we do it. And it's like, oh, I got to try harder. Got to try harder. I got to redouble my efforts. Don't do it. Don't do it. From my experience, I've discovered that is a path to limited success. And as followers of Jesus, there's actually a different way. And instead of focusing on what we shouldn't be doing, and instead of focusing on just trying harder, we can actually focus on the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in us. And as followers of Jesus, as people who are filled with the power and the presence of his life-giving spirit, we need to embrace what the spirit is doing in us. Well, how do we embrace what the Holy Spirit's doing in us? What does it mean to embrace? It's actually a, a great word picture. Um, it was Valentine's Day this week. Did you get a hug? Uh, embrace, it means to, to, to hold closely with affection. It's, it's the language of love. It, it's the language of relationship. And so Paul's saying, you know, we, we, we need to just learn how to hug the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in our lives and let the Holy Spirit hug us. We need to learn to just be in relationship, have affection. So, so how, do, how do we embrace the, the Holy Spirit? And uh, uh, friends, don't tune me out because this is so simple, it almost seems trite. How do we embrace the Holy Spirit? Well, through worship. One of the most natural ways for me to encounter the Holy Spirit is through worship. Happening in this morning. Singing away and all of a sudden I just, there's something going on inside. And Holy Spirit is reminding me through the words of the songs and words that I'm singing of who he is who he wants to be in my life, who he's calling me to be, reframing my world and my understanding of who I am and who he is. And there's just something about singing and expressing praise to Jesus that brings an encounter of his presence. And, and when I worship, I embrace who Jesus is and I embrace who the spirit is. And I'm saying yes to Jesus and I'm saying yes to his ways. Hmm. Friends, what, what are you filling your head with? 
What are you filling your heart with? Sometimes the reason we get hooked into things that we shouldn't be hooked on is because we expose ourselves to the wrong things. We embrace the, the, the wrong things. We're, we're listening to the wrong music. <laughs> well, sometimes literally. We're listening to the, watching the wrong media. And I know we get into this and then we go, well, what can a Christian watch? What can a Christian listen to? You know what? That's the wrong question. The question really is, am I worshiping? Am I deliberately and intentionally focusing my affection on Jesus? Am I embracing the, the, the Holy Spirit. And, you know, part of that is, you know, when you're in love with someone, when you're in a relationship with someone, you go talk to them. And it's not just a, a box that you check on your daily do list. <laughs> Did I talk to my wife? You know, if you have to put it on a list, you're probably in trouble. It's just, it's just something that, that you do because you're in love. And, and friends, as I worship and I begin to embrace the Holy Spirit and who he is and, 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 and who he says this world is and who he says I am, I find that my life begins to shift. My desires begin to get reshaped. My tolerance of ungodly things is weakened. And there's, there's a hunger that begins to well up inside of me, a hunger for righteousness, a hunger for truth, a hunger for, for God and, and, and who he is. So embracing the spirit is about worship. And that's corporately as we gather together in a place like this, you're here this morning at great step. But it's also about in your, your life every day. But it's, it's also about scripture. We find the Holy Spirit in, in the word of God. And, oh, I wish I had a silver bullet. Yeah, you know, I, I wish there was a, a way of, of just, you know, kind of talking about this so, so that you just go, oh yeah, I heard this before. But the reality is they've done studies and, and the single biggest factor in growing as a disciple of Jesus is reading the Bible every day. That, the, in fact, they, they call it the magic pill of discipleship. So if there is a silver bullet, <laughs> you know. This, but again, it, it just can't be a, a box in our checklist, our do list for, for the day. And if we're honest, you know what? It's probably the single biggest challenge that many of us have because it's become a, something that we gotta do because we're a Christian when it's really about embracing the Holy Spirit. When you pursue the Holy Spirit and your relationship with him, friends, scripture becomes more than just a discipline. They become more than just a, a task. And, and yeah, I, I totally, I've been serving Jesus for a long time. And I know there are times when, you, when, when reading the Bible is like eating your oatmeal. It's the right thing to do. So you do it. 
But when you pursue the Holy Spirit, when you're in relationship with him, I have discovered that if you will stick to it, the scriptures become more than just a discipline, becomes more than just a task. It becomes an encounter. It becomes a conversation. Paul in his later years wrote this to his protege, Timothy. He reminded him that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what's wrong. And all that. We want to mind the gap of compromise. We got to be here, friends. We've got to be here because scripture corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip us. There's something active that goes on on the inside when we get into God's word. And friends, now it's never been easier. I mean, we, if you don't have a Bible, come talk to me after service. We'll get you a Bible. But you know what? Have you ever checked out version? You know, it's never been easier to read your Bible. If you got a smartphone or a tablet or, or a, a computer, uh, Uversion is an, is an app. It's been downloaded over 412 million times. It was developed by a, a church, a life church down in, in, in Oklahoma. It's free, doesn't cost you anything. And uh, you, they've, they've got all these different reading plans and, and basically they list a few scriptures to read and then hyperlinks right there so you can tap on them and they'll open up and all that. And, and then they give you a short devotional and then they, they probably usually have some questions for you to think about and, and maybe to journal or to talk over with someone. And, and uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, in fact, you can go in there and one of their reading plans is how to start reading the Bible. It's only four days. And it just kind of gives you some outline from Scripture of what the Bible is all about and, and, and how to do that. Or there's another one I, that caught my eye when I was on there this week. It, it's, it's a reading plan for Lent. It's called Lent, Remembering the Life of Jesus. And it's, it's, it's a 47-day plan leading into Easter. And you know what? If you're kind of wondering, well, how do I even get going? You can use a tool like that to help you get into God's word for yourself. And friends, when you get into the God's word and it becomes more than just a box that you check on your do list, we, we open ourselves up to this conversation with the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit starts doing something inside of us that, 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 that it can empower us actually to be the people that he's called us to be. We're embracing Holy Spirits. We embrace the Holy Spirit also in community. By being with other friends that love Jesus and worshiping together like we are this morning or encouraging each other, confessing to each other. Pastor Chantel did an awesome job talking to us last week about James chapter 5, verse 16. And incidentally, this was the you version, verse of the day. You can get a, a verse of the day. <laughs> Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you can crush compromise. If you've been wrestling with compromise in your life, just trying harder is not the solution. Redoubling your own efforts will not work. 
What we need to do is get our eyes off of what we're trying to fix, and we need to embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. And friends, that, 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 there's just some practical ways like worship and, and scripture and community that are God's tools. And, and friends, that's the way that the sole work of character regeneration is accomplished in us by the Spirit of God. That's, that, that's how he activates himself in our lives as we in, engage with him in these ways. Let me close with this. Character matters because you always bring who you are into everything you do. Your character determines the kind of spouse you're going to be, the kind of parent you are, the kind of friend you are, the kind of employee you are, the kind of leader you are. Because no matter how hard you try, (laughs) you can't escape you. I mean, sometimes we can put a fresh coat of paint on things. But the real you is going to come out. And you can change jobs, you can change cities, you can change friends, you can change churches, you can change marriages. But regardless of where you go and what you do, you are still there. You're still there. Because your character is the real you and and, and you just can't escape it. But friends, with Jesus' help, it can be transformed. If you will embrace the Holy Spirit and his good work in your life, with God's help, you will be able to close the gap between who you are and who you want to be. And our interior life will just begin to be more in sync with the exterior life that everyone sees. Can we pray? In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand. And if you're comfortable doing it, would you just put your hands out? You know, Pastor Ryan teaches us that that's just a way of receiving. It's just a physical posture that prompts a spiritual reception. So Holy Spirit, in this moment, we are so grateful that serving you, this process of becoming who you've called us to be, in fact, who you call us as we are. It's not about just trying to be a good person. Jesus, thank you that you are at work inside of us. And so, Holy Spirit, in this moment, all of us are probably very aware of our shortcomings and our failings, the subtle signs of compromise in our own lives that you, because of your faithfulness to us, are drawing our attention to, but maybe it's not just Holy Spirit speaking to us. Maybe it's Holy Spirit speaking to us in the 
words of a spouse or a employer or a child calling us on our stuff. Jesus, we, we, we want to own that this morning. Lord, we understand. I understand. Lord, I fall short. <laughs> but you forgive. So Jesus, right now, we ask you to forgive us for those moments daily that we fudge on things and don't act out the best version of us and who you've called us to be. And more than that, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and be active in our lives. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. In fact, friends, would you just lift up your voice and invite the Holy Spirit to come in a fresh way? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Be active in me. Be active in me. Lord, I'm, I'm going to worship. I'm going to open my heart up to you and worship. I'm going to sing praise. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I know it's not about trying harder, but I'm going to try to read scripture. Not because it's something I know I'm supposed to do, but because Jesus, I'm just desperate to, to be in conversation with you. I love you. And Lord, as, as we get into that, especially in these next few weeks, as, as we just again, Lord, choose to, to, to engage you in that way. Holy Spirit, come alive in your word. Come alive in your word in our hearts. Lord, that we would, we would be taught and that we would be changed from the inside out as we engage with your scripture, that you would just do something inside of us. And, and Lord, as, as, as we hang out with our friends, other followers, followers of you that, that love you. Lord, may their life, Lord, may their honesty, may, may their confession, Lord, may their, pa their passion for you just rub off on us and encourage us and motivate us to be more honest with ourselves and with others and with you. That we just walk forward in the people that you've called us to be. Jesus, I thank you that change is possible. That we can mind the gap because you're at work in us. You're at work in us. Amen. Amen. Friends, we would love to pray with you this morning if there's something going on in your life. Maybe there's something you feel you need to confess. No shame in that. No shame. It's entirely confidential. Our trained prayer team would just love to be able to minister the grace and love of Jesus to you. So it's just through these doors right here.